The year is 2225 and a moon is spinning through the void of space at 1700 kilometers an hour. It is a billiard ball of white ribbon clouds, broad shallow seas and dynamic continents marbled by convoluted river systems. The moon's name is Rava and right now, high in its stratosphere, Mitchell Crick is dreaming about the end of the universe. Welcome to the Maelstrom Galaxy. A dot of light flashes across Rava's sky. A small spacecraft, a Chromis class, is on its final approach. The space inside is cramped and cylindrical and cluttered with a chaotic assortment of items. There are several blasters of different sizes and shapes on the lower bed of the shuttle's two narrow bunks. There's a large duffel bag, open and overflowing with mismatched socks in plaid and paisley prints. A human lies on the shuttle's top bunk. He's still for a few moments, and then he jerks awake, breathing heavily. L, can you introduce yourself and your character? Hi, uh, my name is L, and I play Captain Mitchell Crick. I'm a massive nerd in many areas, one of which is D&D. Uh, I am a friend of our wonderful DM and everyone else at the table. And I'm playing Mitchell Crick, who is a human paladin. He's a, a white dude with blonde hair and glasses uh, and a few freckles. And he is wearing a brown bomber jacket. Uh, which uh, used to have a military label on it, but you can't quite see it because it's been scraped off uh, rather angrily, from what you can tell. Oh, and his left arm is a cyborg metal arm. Another human turns around and looks at you from the pilot's chair. The other human is a white trans woman with curly shoulder-length brown hair and a cheeky, cheeky smile. Her name is Lina Barnes, and she has been your best friend and first mate through life, death, and everything in between. Oh, Mitch, same again? Yep, just another dream of everything burning. It was a great time, just like the last two years of dreaming the same thing every single night. Real fun, real fun. So, uh, where, where are we? Well, I was about to come and wake you up anyway, because we're on final approach. Do you want to come and watch? Definitely. Uh, so you come up to the console uh, to watch the final approach of your little ship. Lina probably like moves over in her chair and like pats the side of it so you could squeeze on next to her. As you sit, you see out of your little ship's large frontal window for the first time, and you're greeted by the sight of the weird and wonderful city of New Analu, which is home to most of the galaxy's Pluene and to the only large group of Apelta outside of the Apelton Empire. Uh, these two species have similar but opposite building styles, and they've kind of come together to create this really bizarre, very vertical city with the Apelta carving out an enormous uh, open-to-the-air conical hole and the Pluene living above it in treetops and bridges strung over that opening. And then Lina like, looks down at it and looks at you and then just says, it's amazing how much they've built in just three years, isn't it? Blimey, yeah. I remember when all of this was just construction sites. This is remarkable what they've done. It really is. Another ship is also making its final approach. This craft, also a minnow, judders and glows as it cuts its way through Rava's upper atmosphere. Safe behind the protection of its hull, three Araswati sit on a beautifully woven reed mat and drink tea from tiny wooden cups. 
It would almost be domestic, if not for the roar of re-entry just outside, and for the fact that what they're drinking is classed as a restricted substance in seven different star systems. <laughs> Jess, can you introduce yourself and your character? Hi, I'm Jess, and I play Lorelei. Lorelei is a circle of stars druid, and she's an Araswati, which means she is a small deer person. She's about... Three and a half foot max when she's stood up on her back legs, but often walks around on all four of her legs. Her fur is an almost pearlescent white with some grey markings that look like uh, vines and tree branches. Although a lot of the time you can't see the markings because she is wearing a thick black cloak over the top of her. The other two Araswati in the ship with you are very different from you and are about as different from one another as as two, as, uh, two Araswati can be. Uh, one is very, very tall and a bit ghostly coloured like you are, with a pointed face, pale grey fur and expansive branching horns. But the other is small, slight and has a bit of a Bambi style coat, so it's all white spotted brown with um, unusual orange-flecked horns that sweep back from her head in an elegant curve. And these two Araswati look about the same age. But one of them, the grey one, thanks to druidic magics, is your grandmother. And it's your grandmother who tilts her head now and sets her cup down and turns to you, Lorelei, and says, This world is almost as alive as Chorus. Can you feel it? I can. I'm excited. This is our first big diplomatic outing, but I guess that feels a little bit selfish since it's someone else's day and not ours. It's okay to be selfish sometimes. She picks her cup back up and drinks the last of her tea, and then she stands up and says, Time to land. Lorelei, my, my sweetling, could you please hide the rest of the tip leaf? You know how these non-Araswati systems get about it. Don't worry, I've already got a compartment to put them in. That's my girl. <laughs> Grandma saying hide the weed. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma is saying hide the weed. High above New Analu, in the black and starry world at the very edge of the Ravan atmosphere, an enormous space station hangs in orbit. It's something of a Frankenstein creation, a hulking black rock whose underside bristles with a dozen tall towers and spires. It probably does have an official name, some dreadfully boring serial number or something of the like, but pretty much everyone just calls it the jellyfish. Deep inside the jellyfish, in an antechamber fitted with ludicrously expensive wooden furnishings and decorated with just about every colour under the Maelstrom's galaxy's many suns, two human women are engaging in an ancient ritual. Uh, can you get the, the zip on my dress? I can't reach. Yeah, sure. This is... A lot more chill than the last time we did this. <laughs> I think it helps when it's not your when when it's not like our wedding. <laughs> yeah, it was a good day though. It was, and Juniper Zenith Lewis, your wife, turns and kisses you on the hand. Leonie, can you introduce yourself and your character? Hi, I'm Leonie. I'm Paige's wife in game and unfortunately not out of game because COVID meant we had to postpone. And I play. Dr. Faraday Zenith Lewis. She is a 30-year-old Afro-Latinx woman who usually wears a purple leather jacket to signify that she is a fully qualified 
Medinir, which is our take on clerics. Today she is wearing a dress that is the colour of a bleeding sunset and she wears her hair in its usual natural style, which is thick curls and half in a messy bun on the top. Thank you, darling. Junie kisses your hands and she says, <laughs> I remember when you met and you had the dip dye. It was in style back then. Hey, remember when you met and you exploded a guy's head? Oh, please, <laughs> as if the universe misses Carl. <laughs> oh, Carl, the world's worst pirate. And then Jeannie checks her wristwatch and she says, Oh, yikes. Okay, we should probably make tracks. Are we taking Bliss? Yeah, sounds like a plan. We should go. Um, you make to walk away, but she grabs you by the wrist and tugs you back in and then kisses you on both cheeks. And then you leave, hand in hand. Gay fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Shona. Down on Rava's surface, where the centre of New Anilu falls away into the great-tiered conical hollow where most of the city's Apelta work and live, two of the most famous Apelta in the trade galaxy stand at the base of an enormous flight of rough-cut stone stairs and look, at, look up at it in dismay. Like all Apelta, they are eight-limbed arthropods with shiny segmented exoskeletons, blade-like faces and four bright crimson eyes. Unlike all Apelta, however, they're both wearing embroidered aprons, and their tough chitin is dotted with buttercream and frosting. Both of these things are likely due to the elaborate five-tiered cake that they are struggling to carry on a platter between them. Duncan, can you introduce yourself and your character? Hello, I'm Duncan, and I'm playing Krell. And Krell is an Apelton worker, and they are a rogue, an inquisitive rogue. They are, as they say, chitinous, no, so no real clothing except for the apron and their trusty messenger bag tucked to one side to keep away from the cake. And they are quite nervous at the moment. The other Apelton you're with, author, bakery owner, and good friend of yours, Tamal Athar, although is, unlike you, an Apelton suitor rather than a worker. And like most of the members of his cast, he is small and slight and spineless. This particular suitor is spineless in other ways too. He's almost rattling with nerves as he eyes up your chances of climbing these stairs without incident. Uh, are you sure they'll notice if we don't come? I think they'll notice if there isn't a cake at the wedding. Well, what if we're not there because we die trying to bring the cake, Corral? <laughs> hmm, it is a quandary. You're not wrong. Look, if we don't come, I'm sure they'll forgive us. Especially if you're the one who apologizes, Mr. Big Shot Hero of Yentao. It was a collaborative effort, as you well know, and frankly, you know, you've done some very impressive things. We've done impressive things. I think we can get a cake up the stairs. Or down the stairs. Whichever way we're going. We're going up. Sorry, I, this cake is very precarious. I dig a lot of brain power to it. And you struggle up the stairs with the cake between you. Easy, easy. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> On the outskirts of New Analu, where the orchard farms meet the forest, a small figure sits under, sh under the shelter of a gazebo and fiddles with the high, ruched collar of her shirt. She's an Araswati, but the Araswati are a deer-like people with bioluminescent markings and a distinct lack of thumbs. This particular Araswati has pale blue fur and a small, delicate face. Her heart-shaped nose is twitching with nervousness, but that's not too surprising, given that today is her wedding day. She's not alone in the gazebo, Shona, can you introduce yourself and your character? 
my name is Shona, I am Duncan's sister, um, and I am going to be playing Schlurp, who is a College of Glamour's bard and first level wild magic sorcerer. What you see is a non-binary AMAB person. They have quite warm dark skin like Southeast Asian and they have like short dark hair cut into a undercut and very bright green eyes. You look fantastic. Her markings flash brightly for a second before she gets it under control. And then she goes, I just, I've led battles and I'm just, this is like the most scared I've ever been. It's going to be fine. If you can do all that kind of stuff, then you're going to be fine stand, standing around while someone says that you're married and then you'll have the dancing and the singing. It's going to be great. And you look fantastic. Actually, wait, give me a sec. And then I'll cast Minor Illusion. I'll just kind of make it look very glittery and nice. And she goes, well, it's now or never, right? And I love Nara. She's great. She is. And I'm good. And we're great. And we work together. And breathe. Come on. <gasps> Come I on. just love her. I know. She's really good. Okay. And you're really good. And it's going to be great. She looks up at you and then touches your hand and says, thank you. And she checks her own watch and she says, I can't believe how fast that went. You should probably go do pickup. Oh, yes. You go to duck out through the flaps of this gazebo and you bump into another Araswati. And this Araswati is smaller than Prisha with snowy white silver fur and uh, branching horns like a reindeer. And they jump back from you and then look up with like coin round eyes and go, oh, hi, Schler. Hi, hi, Jiahu. Um, how's preparations been? It's going fine. Are you going to pick up everybody else? Uh, yeah, I'm just, just, um, yeah, just on my way now. Good luck with that. Don't get lost. Don't get lost in the forest. I won't. Bye. Bye. As I walk away, or as Schlurp walks away, they drop their disguise self spell. And what you see, instead of a human is a site, which is what we're doing, just what we call robots, basically. And they are about six, six and a half foot tall, long limbs, kind of got like, kind of swooped back. They sort of look like horn slash bunny ears, like a little vi visor where their eyes are. And their torso is a, is a large uh, purple glass container containing their core which looks like a D20 dice, um, hey. and, has, and has three green rings on it. And you leave for the spaceport. New Analu is a vibrant and somewhat chaotic young city, and its spaceport is like a concentrated version of those moods. There's one large round building, its slightly uneven walls plastered with paintings and murals depicting the original Analu city, the planetary capital that the Pluene lost along with the rest of their homeworld some 95 years ago. The inside of the building is open and high-ceilinged, with the flow of people controlled by a maze of partitions made from wooden lattices. Passing through the building is the only way to access the landing field beyond, unless you grow wings. And the landing field is literally just a field, and there's no docking tower or magnetic cradle yard in sight. Schlurp, the spaceport is busy today, and you stand in the middle of a torrent of arrivals and departures. This crowd is mostly made up of small, bird-like plumine, but there are a pelter here too, clattering along on their six chitinous legs. You even see an Apelton soldier picking her way through the crowd, taking care not to hurt anyone with her enormous thorny body. What do you do? 
So I guess I'm looking out for everyone's ships to come in. Um, I think I'm probably just kind of just fiddling with my hands. The Ploene who are passing you are probably at your elbow and below, most of them. Ploene are a bit like a cross between a parrot and a gecko. They don't have wings. They stand on their hind legs. They're bipedal. They have a long tail that come, that's a prehensile tail, and they have really brightly colored feathers. Uh, Schlepp, so you stand and this kind of sea of alien amity, <laughs> alien amity just kind of washes over you and you watch the ships kind of come in and go and come in and go and come in and go. And it's a, a steady trickle of little personal ships like minnows and chromuses and tangs. But like there are a couple of bigger ships here too. Like you see a moray, a giant, um, almost train-like collection of large ships bolted together land at the back of the training field. And like the waft of air comes at you like a wall as it touches down. And the minutes tick by. I'm definitely zoned out. Slurp <laughs> is zoned out. They're probably going over one of their recent melodies, like they're working on an album. They're like, okay, if I do like that, okay, okay, wait, if I do it like that. A hand grabs your right elbow. Yeah. Uh, you see another sight. Uh, this one has like a large boxy body, um, probably designed for carrying and fetching things. And they look at you uh, and they, they, on their face, which is a monitor, they flash up the letters AIA in the language Omu, which is the language of the Pluene. And they say, I just wanted to say, thank you. I have a job and I have a life because of you. I mean, there's a lot of us working. I'm not just thanking you for the AI Alliance. I know that whatever happened in Yentao, even if we never get the full story, I know that it mattered and that it changed things. And you might not get this from the whole galaxy in the way that you should, but I just wanted to say thank you. And then Corel, you arrive on the scene. Are we still carrying the cake? Uh, no, you are not still carrying the cake. <laughs> Presumably you've dropped it off at the venue, but I will say you probably do still have a few splotches of buttercream on you. Shut up, hello, hello. Corel! But I walk over to them and I do hug them. Oh, oh, we're, we're, we're doing this. I have not seen you in months. We need a hug. Oh, okay, you, are just... you are covered in icing. Yes, and oh God, get, getting stuck. Wait, oh. <laughs> We better separate. We better Give separate. Okay, so Bishop uses um, <laughs> prestidigitation to clean the clean the icing off them and off themselves. As the icing <laughs> disappears, you get a waft of like a dis delicious strawberry scent. Oh, thank you. I mean, I would have just licked it off myself, but you know, if I actually eat any of this, I get horrible indigestion. I mean, I've heard from some people that it's worth it, so I don't know. How dare you roast me like this, Shona? <laughs> Calling me out on me eating things oh! even though I'm lactose intolerant, you monster. <laughs> um, and as you're kind of greeting each other and cleaning up the frosting, you don't notice Crick's minnow landing on the field. Uh, you also don't notice Crick disembarking and... You don't see the moment when he spots the two of you and starts making a beeline towards you. I envelop Schlurp in a big bear hug. I fully embrace the hug. I can I put my chin on like their on his shoulder. Just like this is a this is a long hug. Oh yes. Yeah. Who is the dad of the year? Oh, oh, oh. Dad of the year. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it's so good to see it's you. It's been so long. It's been like a week. <laughs> But yes, it has been a long time, I agree. 
A week is long. Shut up. Corel's just standing here waiting for the moment to finish. <laughs> How have you been? I've, I've been good. How's your mum? She's doing great. She's very nervous. Um, I was trying to remember to tell her how to breathe, because that's important. It is what, important. Yeah, like, you know, as a person who breathes, you, you know breathing's important. Yes, it's, um, we need it to live. Got it. Wow. <laughs> Listen, I didn't need to know extensive biology in order to be a captain. I just needed to know star charts and stuff. At this point, Corel steps forward. Corel! Hello. Hello, Captain. Why do you smell like strawberries? I have been assisting Tamal in the bakery, and from the bakery to the site of the festivities. Oh, nice. Yes, it's all look- looking very, very nice there. The cake's looking very nice. It got there in one piece, thank goodness. Oh, oh good. Oh, I'm going to need to get a picture of that. How's the uh, desk job treating you, Corel? I mean, I'm travelling a lot. It's hardly a desk job. Carell, you have a pension. Yes, but that doesn't mean I'm sitting at a desk. I mean, I'm actually... Look, I've been to, you know, half the planets in the galaxy over the last year. (laughs) Yeah, and while you were going there, you were sitting at a desk. No, I was not. I was standing in front of lecture halls, mostly. Oh. (laughs) Very adventurous. From what I've heard, lecture halls have... Desks in them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, when you're standing in front of the captain, here's a pirate now. If we're going to talk about what we've been up to, why don't we talk about that? <laughs> and the AI goes, Mitchell Crick is a pirate? Oh, uh, hi. Oh, yeah, um, I don't know their name, but they thanked me. Um, uh, what's your name? My name's Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> Nemo. Yeah, that's my name, I guess. Name-o. As in name-no. Name-o. No, No, there's there's only one N. Okay. There's actually two N's, but it's the second one, the silent N. It's like that that old Terran song, Bingo was their name-o. Exactly Exactly. right. My master's really into Terran. My old master was really into Terran music. Oh, that one's a classic. Anyway, nice to meet you. Uh, It's nice to meet you too. Do they have hands? Uh, They do. They have big square mittens. Ah, well, let me shake the mitten. Uh, They shake your hand with a clang. They kind of bow and then they kind of nervously wave and point and go, I think some more heroes of the, you know, your friend, the you know, the other people. And they get very flustered and you turn. I would tell you to breathe, but I know you can't. We'll get to that in a second. I just need to confirm I'm not a pirate. I'm a smuggler. There's a difference. <laughs> I feel there's crossover. Faraday and Junior, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is just going to be the rest of the episode otherwise. <laughs> oh, uh, hi, everyone. Uh, what are we talking about with Mitchell being a pirate? I'm not a pirate! Junie! Hello, kid. And she raises a hand up for you for a fist bump. I, I return the fist bump. Faraday, like, runs over to Corel and, like, leaps and hugs. Aww. <laughs> Oh, ah, good to see you. Good to see you. I mean, like, I know it's been like two days, but... Uh, yeah, always, always happy to see you, Faraday. You're lucky You're lucky. you, hu- you hugged them after I cleaned the frosting off. Frosting, that sounds good. Slurp, how are you? I'm good. Um, I, was, I, was, I was a thing, I was helping, I was taking some pictures, because you know, content is king and all that. Hashtag content. 
as you guys are, as Faraday kind of leaps her way up Corel's body, being very clear about the height difference, Faraday is like five foot one, five foot? Yeah, like and five foot one. And Corel's like seven. Yeah, Corel's like over six and a half feet tall. So the height difference here is truly exquisite. And she's getting a big old bug hug. <laughs> so you're kind of dangling from Corel's neck like a very cool human scarf. And as you're dangling there, Lorelei arrives on the scene with her grandmother and with the other Araswati with the Bambi markings. Hello. I do hope I'm not interrupting. Lorelei! Hey! It's the Araswati gang! I hold my, ha- I hold my hand up for a high five. Like, low down. <laughs> yeah, low down. Yeah, I, I look up at the hand and I'm like, lift my hand up and it's like a foot and a half below Schlurps. <laughs> I, I put my hand down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, it's good to see you all. Um, it's been, what, two months or so? How is everyone? Doing good. Yeah, good. Um, better than I was uh, an hour ago. What happened an hour ago? I don't want to talk about it. Suffice it to say the cake made it to the to the table. Well, I'm trying to not to take it personally that Corella's on time for this wedding. <laughs> oh! You can take that, Corella? Oh! I made it barely. Fine, 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 fine. Look, I mean, not like I could be late for the last one. You made it very clear you couldn't start without me. (laughs) That's true. Although, in the interest of time, we probably should get going because I don't think Prisha will, you know, start without Schlur. Yes. So to get to the wedding from New Analu, you have to kind of skirt the edge of this giant conical hollow where the Appelta live um, on a circular road called the Loop. And then you have to cut through Litterhome, which is an area, because New Analu is so young, a lot of the Pluinla here still live in temporary accommodation. So this is like a bit of a tent city and a little shack city because they've not finished building all the houses they need. So you kind of cut your way through Litterhome and then head off into the woods. Regarda is a forest moon predominantly, um, but it's a forest moon with a color palette a little bit different to Earth. So the grass here and the undergrowth is all teal colored. The trees have got dark gray-blue bark and the leaves on the trees are like bright neon blue. And as you kind of cut off through this forest, this beautiful blue forest, uh, you start to notice a few other people heading this direction. And suddenly the forest stops and you find yourself in an open glade where you quickly realise that you're among the last arrivals. That's going be late. We're cutting it fine. So the crowd for this wedding is a real mismatched bunch. You've got members of almost every species in attendance, and the decor here is similarly eclectic. And you've got Pluine-style paper lanterns hanging above your heads, bobbing on lengths of coloured string. There's a table cluttered with brushes and pots of luminescent paint, ready for like the traditional Araswati, Uh, post-ceremony dances and painting Uh, instead of chairs you've got rows of colorful cushions on the floor and instead of like a human style wedding arch there's just a huge wooden pole which is absolutely smothered in well wishes written on little pieces of paper schlurp that small uh white and silver araswati you avoided earlier uh she is playing a flute over on a low wooden platform Uh, this whole scene of the wedding is colorful and chaotic and full of warmth what do you do next? I think Lovelay is going to quietly go up and pull on Faraday's sleeve and be like, my grandmother's itching to meet some important faces, so I'll... Uh, have we decided 
which side we're meant to sit on. I, I think, Lorelei, we're just going to sit wherever there's a space because, like, I like Prisha, but, you know, she's not like my mom. So we're just going to go sit wherever Slurp sits. But I thought being the person of honor, Slurp would be standing. As you are all kind of standing at the edge of the glade not, trying to work out not what... Know, not knowing how weddings work. Not knowing how weddings work, despite probably having an invite. Someone comes rushing over to you, clutching a clipboard. Uh, this someone looks like an Apelton worker, except their entire body is made out of metal. This is a sight. Oh, hello everyone! It's me! Carol! Hey, hey, hey Carol, what's going on? Carrie, we agreed, you're not Carol. It's Carrie. Otherwise, it gets confusing. She looks down at her clipboard and she goes, I have an important job today, everybody. What are you doing? I need to make sure everybody knows what's happening. And I have the sense that you all haven't got a clue. Do you need some help? Yes, please. please. That would be fantastic. Please. I need to go see Prisha, I guess. Uh, she's still in the gazebo over there, the one with the yellow, the yellow flap at the front. Ah, right. See you, guys, see you guys later. I gotta go make sure she continues doing the breathing. Uh, and she turns to the rest of you, all business-like, and she goes, So what concerns did you have? Uh, seating arrangements is anybody anywhere? The cushions when the ceremony starts? If you could sign a well-wish uh, sticky note, that would be wonderful, and put it on the pole. The food is out, but we'd prefer you didn't start on it until after the ceremony. And there will be dances, and there will also be acti, uh, Corel. For you and for all of the other Apelton guests. Blended. Do you have any other questions? What time is the ceremony going to start, Carrie? Well, you are on the outside edge of on time. So I'm going to turn to Claire at Corel. <laughs> jokingly. <laughs> Corel jokingly shuffles their feet. <laughs> so you have about 15 to 20 minutes just to wander around and chat before we sit down on the cushions and start the head touching. Sorry, what? The head touching. Head touching? We've got an Araswati and a Pluene bride, so they've decided to kind of fuse their two styles of wedding. Okay. Right. Like a headbutt? No, no, much more affectionate. Like a head touch. Just foreheads. For several minutes in silence. Hmm. I think as this is happening, Lorelei is just going to take Damini and her grandmother's hands and just walk away. Entirely fair. Yeah, and just find a vaguely welcoming but important-looking person to plant her grandmother in front of. There are three Apelton suitors here who aren't the nervous baker Tamal, and they are all older-looking suitors, uh, one of them being Ulial, uh, the leader of the Apelta who live here in New Annalu. Ah, perfect. Krell might not like this, but whatever. <laughs> Um, I'm going to look at Damini and be like, darling, could you, uh, grab us a couple of glasses, please? Oh, sure, I'll go do that. Okay, excellent. I'll, I'll, um, I'll meet you over there in a second. I just need to make some introductions. I grab my grandmother's hand and I'm like, be nice. Sweetling, I'm always nice. Yes, but sometimes... It's in the most terrifying way physically possible. And whilst I find that incredibly amusing, you are meeting this Apelton suitor, his name is Ulial, uh, not the Lady Zenith, so I'm not entirely sure he how he would react to your 
certain brand of hmm borderline boardiness your grandmother adjusts the tiny spectacle she has perched on her long deer-like nose she looks over at him and she goes oh he's very shiny isn't he Get it, grandma <laughs> i mean yes uh, grandmother please please do not do not hit on him please I make no promises, sweetling. I'd love to polish that chitin. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't I, like this. I love her so much. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> Grandma, I love you dearly, but we are here for diplomacy, not romance. And just looking the most done, Lorelei goes over to introduce her grandmother to Uliar. And he looks down at you and steeples his fingers and he goes... Carell's friend, Lorelei. It's Lorelei Widewanderer now. Carell's friend, Lorelei Widewanderer. Congratulations on the surname. Yes, so, uh, Ulial, I would like to introduce my grandmother, Archdruid of the Chorus Order of Stars Druids. Yes, my, my grandmother, Edna Longlived. Your grandmother extends a hand up to him graciously and goes... Charmed to meet you, Ulial. And Ulial pauses and is motionless, utterly. And then he takes her hand and bends over it. Edna, I enjoyed your articles on diplomacy. Okay, I'm done here. Lorelei runs away. <laughs> she literally just turns around, gets on all fours, and yeets herself towards the alcohol. And Schlurp, I think we said that you went to go see Prisha, right? I went to go see Prisha to make sure she's still breathing. She is still breathing. She's still in that gazebo. <laughs> Prisha, I, I left a little while ago. You're still in the gazebo. What if she hates me? If she hated you, she wouldn't be marrying you. I think I just kind of, I give her a hug. She nuzzles her head under your chin. And she just goes, I know, I'm so sorry. I'm just completely freaked out. It's kind of weird to be struggling for so many years and then be like, this is the rest of your life. How are you adapting to just normal life? I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if I'll ever have a normal life. What even is normal, hey? Well, I'm going to get out of this tent. We're going to have a lovely wedding. We're going to dance. Corel's going to get drunk again. And we'll just... We'll figure it out as we go. Are you okay to leave? She pauses for several seconds and then she nods. And she follows you out of the tent and into the main wedding area. You're greeted by the visual of a bustling crowd. and Everybody's kind of gearing up, getting ready for the ceremony to start as the clock ticks down to zero. Um, over at the far side of the glade, uh, Tamal is nervously trying to com like comfort a pluine woman who looks even more nervous than him, if it can be possible. Uh, this woman is Narana Kablesti, um, Tamal's adoptive pluine sister and also Prisha's future wife. She's a pretty well-built pluine with muscled arms, um, dark blue-black feathers, and a sooty black face with a white beak. It does not look like the comforting is going well. Corel has got decided to go over and try and help. And how are we doing over here? Everything's fine! That was a lie, everything's not fine, please help! Um, right. 
Emotional situations. Yes. <laughs> what would Schlurp say? Oh my god. And then Nara just kind of makes this gurgling, raspy, wet noise, like. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> um... And she goes, Schlurp. Schlurp would say something stupid. Yes, yes, but it would be that sort of endearing kind of stupid, but but also like. You feel the the genuine emotion behind it, and it sort of helps. Look, this everything's sorted. Everything's going to be fine. I'm sure. Do you really think so? <laughs> well, I'm very confident in the cake, <laughs> um, <laughs> and the decorations are lovely, and I'm sure it's going to be fine. Oh, I really feel so much better. Oh, thank you so much. My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> Ah, do you need someone to get you something? I would love a drink, please. I'm sure I can arrange that. <laughs> and I sidle over to where the drinks are. So at the drinks table, it sounds like we've got a couple of people. So we've got Lorelei and Damini, Corel, Crick. Faraday, where are you, my darling? Is, is there anyone that I recognise? There's a Pluine here you recognise. She looks very different to Nara and the other plumine at this wedding. Where their feathers are kind of bright and shiny and well-kempt, this plumine is a bit, for the lack of a better word, a little bit scraggly, a little bit scruffy. And her beak is cracked visibly. She's carrying what is very obviously a sword, <laughs> but it's like wrapped in like a scarf. But it's still really obviously a sword. And it's almost the same size she is. So you recognize her as Lyra Saroya, one of the key Pluene leaders who led to this place being settled. Because before New Analu, a lot of the Pluene were just nomads without a home to go to. Faraday is going to lean up and kiss Junie on the cheek and walk over and, I guess, nod her head at Lyra in greeting. Lyra nods back. Hey. Hey. Nice day. Nice day. I love a wedding. Feels like yesterday, it was your wedding. Yeah, it's nice to be on the other side of it. Like, not panicking. And I can see that some people are panicking. But, you know. Um, actually, quick question for you. Are you married? I, I knew about... I knew about Dr. Liam and, you know, the Lady Zenith. I just... I wasn't sure. So, you know. Yeah, I'm married to them. Why? You got a problem with it? No, of course I don't have a problem with it. I see you for Sunday dinner every other month. So, nice chat. Although I am glad that you've got the sword here. Not that I'm expecting anything to happen, but it's just nice to know if something did. That's how I can tell you're a kid, kid. You've always got to be prepared for something to happen. Right. Besides, I've got a funny feeling tonight. You be careful. Friday had sort of been like... Hmm, I wonder how I can leave this situation. And now she's like, her attention is like right there. Like, because if Lyra says something is going to happen, I think she's going to pay attention to that. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, you're right. It'll, it'll probably be fine. Like, it's, it's fine. Um, anyway, I'm going to go and see Junie and we're going to go and find somewhere to sit. So, and then I'm just going to leave. Beautiful. So over at the drinks table, we now have Junie and Faraday, uh, Lorelei, Schlurp, and Crick. Corel, Corel's at the drinks table as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Corel, 
just a warning and um Norley points over to her grandmother Anulial. oh splendid you introduced them yes uh my grandmother is on form this evening so realization dawns in Corel's eyes I, I'm on a drinks call at the moment, but I think I might head over there right after and mediate. Better you than me. Lorelei grabs a drink and walks to the opposite side of the tent to do anything other than mediate. Karel, as you take those drinks over back towards Tamal and Nara... The flautist who's been playing on the wooden dais this whole time suddenly plays a very high, long note and then changes melody entirely and the gathered crowd starts to zero in on the cushions and sit down. Oh, time. I'll give Prisha, like, like I can't really give her a peck on the cheek because I don't have lips. Um, pat on the head. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll give her a quick pat on the head. It's going to be great. Um, she kind of smiles at you and then she goes, Okay. And head over to the pole. She follows you and stands a couple meters away from the pole, waiting. Uh, what do the rest of you do? I think Corel goes near where Uyal and Lorelei's grandmother are. Sort of not necessarily sitting right with them, but like a cushion or so away just to keep an eye on them. And Lorelei's grandma inserts herself on a cushion between Uyal and one of the other suitors he came with. And Ulial, like, she looks very pleased with herself, but as you sit down, Corel, you see Ulial shoot the other suitor a very fond, amused look over her head. Can I do just, like, a quick, quick insight check on Ulial just to see how he's handling this situation? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, 24. With a 24, I will say Ulial is having an excellent time, but he does not view her in a romantic way. Well, I didn't think that. I just wanted to make sure he... He wasn't overly uncomfortable. You get the impression that he's having an absolutely excellent time. And that she also maybe knows that he's not interested, but is also just having fun with another older person. Okay. So as the Araswati continues to play on her flute, you will come and sit down on the various cushions. Um, Faraday, I don't think we said where you're sitting. Are you sitting near anyone or are you just sitting with Junie, I imagine? Yeah, I'm going to sit with Junie. We can hold hands Aww. and like kind 100%. of whisper to each other, be like, hey, do you remember when this happened? And yeah. She puts her cheek on your shoulder. Uh, actually, no, you're really small. She puts her cheek on the top of your head. Aww. <gasps> um, once you're all sat down, there's one last trill on the flute and then it's just Prisha standing up, waiting by the pole. And ten seconds pass in silence, and then Nara start like stands up from where she's been sitting on one of the cushions and goes to stand opposite Prisha in front of this pole. Prisha is smaller than Nara by a significant margin, but they're both tiny, and they just kind of look at each other with the biggest, roundest, softest eyes, and then they both kind of unfold their hands to reveal that they're holding tiny paper flowers. And Prisha holds hers up to Nara and she says, Nara, when I met you, all I could think was, I love her tool belt and she seems really cool and scary and I want to get to know her. And then we went on a date and you were just the kindest, softest person inside the oil and grubby exterior. <laughs> I love you and I'm really excited to just 
mark this as like the start of the rest of our lives. And then she reaches up, refolds the flower and sets it on top of Nara's head. And then Nara unfolds her own flower and she looks down at Prisha and says, Prisha, sometimes I feel like I can't believe this is happening and that you're, you chose me and that we're together and all of the crazy things we've done and all of the crazy people we know and they look out across the audience and the five of you get the distinct feeling they're referring to you. <laughs> what? <laughs> we've seen some crazy things. I wouldn't change any of it for the world, my love. And she folds up her own flower and puts it on Precious' head. And then they both bend, clasp their hands, and press their foreheads against one another for five full minutes. The fifth minute ends. And then suddenly Precia and Nara turn out towards the cushions and raise one joined hand to the air. People are jumping off the cushions and the partying begins. The five of you mill amongst this crowd of old friends and people you don't know that well but might get to know and you drink and you dance and you have fun. And as you have fun, sunset comes and goes and you are dancing in the cool air of night with the stars bright through the trees above you and the party is still going. It's starting to kind of, it's starting to kind of wind down a little bit now. Like get to that point where everyone's feeling a bit vulnerable and happy and safe with one another. And as this is, as night is full, as night is fully taking hold and the sky is going from navy to black, uh, the five of you find yourselves over by the edge of the glade again, just by chance having bumped into one another there. Krell's just sort of been, for the last half hour, just sort of been gently swaying from side to side, just slightly skittering on their legs. Uh, I think I've got a magnet on my shoulder, so I'm like a little, I'm a little buzzed. Oi, no! Oh, come on, you got to drink! No, when you come of age. That's not gonna be for so long! Captain! Captain, come on! Loosen up! Yeah, listen to Corel, they're smart! Corel is gently swaying from side to side. I don't think their advice is reliable right now. They know how to have a good um, time. I think you'll find Corel is not swaying. They're actually dancing with me, so they're fine. Yeah! After that initial, like, oh my god, what is my grandma doing? Um, drink. She probably decided it's probably best not to drink too much. So has, under the pretense of dancing, has managed to pry her grandmother away from Uliel and has been dancing with her grandmother. I think Faraday hasn't had that much drink either, but um, I think Lyra saying that probably really spooked her. Lyra is very well respected and very tough and has seen a lot, so she's just like, okay. But I think probably like Lorelei, she's been doing a lot of dancing, probably with Jeannie, and they've just been like... Ignoring everyone else. <laughs> but now she's over here swaying to cover up for Corel. Crick hasn't had any drinks because he's the designated pilot for um, him and Lina. I think Schlab's doing the equivalent of like when you're hanging out together and you're texting each other, even though you could be talking, there's doing the equivalent of that with message with Faraday. <laughs> what do you say? Dad took my magnet. Dad took my... <laughs> Crick took my magnet. Tell him he's a nerd. Um, While pointing at her. Faraday's going to point back but a little bit more subtly and say just just be chill I'll get you another one in a second are you going to hook you up communicating we're just doing finger guns at each other and then yeah. I use finger guns well I trust you so here's your magnet back <laughs> yeah 
Okay, now I'm taking it away again. Because that reaction was way too excited. As you go to grab the magnet back, Crick, mm-hmm. I just want to ask the party, who has the highest passive perception? Here we go, boys, here we go. It's it's always Jess. Yeah. Always Jess. <laughs> it's always Jess, I forget yeah, this. Yeah, uh, Lorelei's passive perception is 23. Wow, okay. Lorelei notices the breathing of ants. <laughs> <laughs> As Crick goes to grab this magnet back from Schlurp, Lorelei, you see across the other side of the glade, um, you see Lyra Soroya suddenly lift her head and look out towards the east, towards the city, and grab the handle of her sword. Hey, it's Paige Solby Evans, your Game Master, host, and resident dog person. You've been listening to The Junket Podcast, a show that wouldn't be possible without the talents of the lovely people behind the characters. That's my wife, Leonie, as Dr. Faraday Zenith Lewis, Duncan as Corel, Elle as Captain Mitchell Crick, Shona as Schlurp, and Jess as Lorelei Wide Wanderer. Our show is powered by a modified version of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, to learn about the custom rulings, mechanics, and aliens that make our game possible, you can visit our website, thejunketpodcast.com, or just ask us on Twitter at thejunketpod. Lastly, if you're both willing and able, you could support the show over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash thejunketpodcast. That's all from me. See you in a fortnight.